Let's just pray. Lord, we ask that you would open your word to us now, that we would hear you speak to us, that you would encourage, challenge, and touch us, Lord. May we be inspired. Lord, may we hear you speak. Guide what is said. Lord, we pray that your word will be opened up to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's sermon is loosely fitting in with our series on following Jesus. It wasn't one that I had planned, but I thought it was appropriate to to tackle the, the topic of faith during a crisis. Much of what we will look at today are things that we have looked at over the last few years, but it's helpful sometimes to be reminded and to be encouraged. The crisis I'm thinking about is the the situation in Ukraine and the potential it has to to possibly spread further than that. The fears that people have. There have already been hundreds of people killed, many soldiers on both sides mainly. And that's in addition to over 13,000 people who have been killed in the the conflict in, in eastern Ukraine over the last, well, since 2014. The invasion is serious, certainly for the people in Ukraine, and we sympathise with them as they face danger and death, as some people leave the country as refugees, as they are facing the oppression of, well, after a speech there a few days ago, Putin, who seems to be a bit unhinged. We're also concerned with how the war in Ukraine will affect people more widely. The economic impact in Western Europe in various ways, whether we will be affected directly, possibly economically, through higher prices for oil and gas. or We don't know. Putin seems to want to restore the status and image of Russia during the Soviet era. But maybe he's misjudged the situation. The Russian people aren't behind him. Many of the oligarchs, the rich businessmen, are close to Putin and some of his advisors are against what he's doing. In a real sense, it's not Russia invading Ukraine, it's, it's Putin invading Ukraine. And there's a big question mark as to whether he has the, the military and the political and the organisational capability to, to do it well, even to go further. He might go for Moldova. Who knows? He might. Is he going to go for a NATO country? It's doubtful. We don't know. Should we fear the World War III is going to start on the back of this? Some people are saying that already, but it's very unlikely. Very unlikely. It might even be that just like the 1968 Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia, that that actually ended up, according to analysts, it fractured 
communism by stifling reform within and eventually led to the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991. So we don't know where this is going to go. It could work out for far more good than we might imagine. It might not. It might have the opposite effect. But let's have cool heads and not speculate wildly. Let's not fear. Let's trust in God. Let's not just look to what's happening in the news. Let's look to God and God's word and God's promises. And let's turn to him in prayer. Let's see what his plans are. And let's live practically in the light of his kingdom, his rule. And let's not just look at what we see world leaders doing. We live under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is in control. Let's look at the bigger picture with eyes of faith. Let's pray for peace. Let's provide humanitarian aid and support the ordinary citizens of Ukraine, Poland, Russia, and whoever is affected. Let's pray against evil, against totalitarianism, whether it's found in Russia or wherever. But let's pray that we understand God's will in this whole situation. He is working his will out in the world. Let's have cool heads of faith, looking to God who is in control. Others might be in despair around us or perplexed or confused. We have a God who is in control and we can trust in him. Trust that God knows what he's doing. Even if, <clears throat> even if Putin appears to be rational one week and then a bit unhinged the next, we have a God who is never like that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He will not change. He will not suddenly flip. He is the God who supports the weak, the oppressed. He is the God who loves us. He is the God who cares. He is the God who is righteous and just. And that will not change. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Although political leaders like to think of themselves as being in control, and one of the features of communism is that it doesn't like anybody being above it. And so it goes hand in hand with atheism because atheism says there's no God above it. And yet, while they might comfort themselves that they are the ultimate in power, we know that God is in control. And the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. <clears throat> he guides it wherever he pleases. He is in control. What is he doing? How is he allowing this to happen? If he's in control, why, why is it happening? Well, God works everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. If we can't see how God is working everything together for good, that doesn't mean that he's not working everything together for good. Even if we don't see how, we still trust 
that he is doing it. In fact, sometimes we get glimpses of how he is working things together for good. One pastor in central Ukraine <clears throat> has written yesterday that there is another side to this war that people aren't seeing. He writes, But even amid this conflict, we're hearing stories of people who we've been praying for over the years who are now coming to faith. They're making huge steps forward. In a word, what the enemy has intended for evil, God is using for good. The devil wants to cause mayhem, death and destruction. And Putin seems to be on board with doing that. And he's not the only one in world history who's done that. Many others have done that before him. But we know that God is working all things together for good. For those who love him. People have heard the gospel for years and have delayed trusting in Christ. Their situation now has resulted in them struggling here and now, but their eternity is secure now in Christ. We don't know how God is working at times, but we trust that he is working to bring all things together for good. You've probably heard the, the saying that God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. Well, let me read you the, the full hymn by William Kuyper, which focuses on how God is in control, even if we can't see. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of, of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, <clears throat> unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Trust God, what he allows to happen, he will bring it for good. As Philip Yancey said, faith during affliction matters more than healing from affliction. Let's trust God in the midst of our affliction. Let's depend upon him, on his character, on his ways, rather than just seeking healing from the affliction. That's good if we have both. But suffering is often the road to blessing. Suffering isn't always something that we should automatically recoil from. It's our natural reaction and it's unnatural. The world was not meant for suffering. We were not created to suffer. Death is unnatural. And one day we will be in a world where there is no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain any longer. But suffering is often the road to blessing at the same time. We don't 
cherish the suffering in itself. But sometimes through the suffering, we can be blessed in a way which the outcome we can cherish. At the men's convention yesterday, one of the speakers said, what many believers have said again and again, he recalled struggling through suffering. He said that given the choice, he would certainly not want to go through what he suffered, but he cherishes the fruit of his suffering. The lasting fruit of the spirit that grew through the suffering. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. The bud has a bitter taste, but what comes from it, the flower, can be very sweet. Suffering can often be the road to blessing. Consider how many people have gone through difficult circumstances before us and yet have persevered. The writer to the Hebrews recalls many heroes of the faith in the Old Testament era in Hebrews chapter 11. And we could have many more in New Testament church history since then. It's great to read biographies, to be encouraged and strengthened by how ordinary people have endured, have persevered and done extraordinary things. But he ultimately, ultimately tells us to look to Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Sometimes we look at that, those verses, and we actually see them disconnected from a whole chapter and more that have just gone before them. Jesus suffered, but he endured it. And it's not simply about enduring suffering. It's about looking as to what is going to come out of it. He endured the cross, and now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. If we endure suffering in a godly way, God will bless us. There will be marvelous fruit from it. And he will be glorified. We are look to the heroes, we're to look to the heroes of the faith. We're to look to Jesus. To persevere through difficult times. Jesus suffered on the cross, and we have been blessed because of it. His suffering was not in vain. Our suffering is not in vain. As has often been said, nothing is wasted. And that's why Jesus spoke harshly to Peter, as we read in, in Mark's Gospel, because Peter didn't understand the ways of God. After Jesus told him and the disciples that he needed to suffer, Peter rebuked him. 
Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Shocking statement. Peter wasn't expecting that. When, if, if we pray to God, Lord, this is terrible. This should never happen. Whatever the thing we're praying about is. Are we in danger doing what Peter had done? Peter seems to have had a little bit of a prosperity gospel mindset where nothing bad will ever happen to anyone who follows God. But Jesus knew better. Peter didn't realize that he was thinking along the same lines as Satan in trying to thwart Jesus' ministry of going to the cross. Jesus suffered on the cross. We suffer, but his suffering was totally different from ours. His suffering atoned for sin. It results in our justification. Our suffering does nothing to help our justification or standing before God. We don't offer up our suffering for for our or anyone else's standing before God. Our suffering is more to do with our sanctification, our growth and holiness. As C.S. Lewis once wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain, Suffering is also a way that God uses to get our attention, especially those who are unbelievers. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. And as uh, the pastor in Kiev has noted, God has been speaking, God has been whispering to people, and they haven't responded, but now he's shouting to them, and they're turning to Christ. Suffering is so often the road to salvation. Through suffering, many people turn to God, to faith in Christ. Jesus said, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What, what does it benefit if if we are free from trials, free from difficulties, we live an easy life. But we never hear God shouting to us to turn to him so that we will avoid, avoid eternity. Eternity of condemnation, eternity of, of hell. If we suffer, if we struggle, and it turns us to him, we are blessed. Jesus said, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus has come to save us. He doesn't promise to save us from all our difficulties now. He promises to save us from all of that later. But yet, he is close to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him and he hears their cry for help and rescues them. He does comfort, he does rescue. The peace and the comfort that Jesus gives, he says, 
peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The world is cramming for peace in Ukraine at the moment. And that is good. But the peace of Christ is something that is far better. It lasts for eternity. It doesn't just give us a cessation of violence. Peace here and now, worldly peace. He gives us peace with God through faith in Christ. His peace doesn't last for a few years. His peace lasts for eternity. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Lord is allowing the situation to stir us up to help, to bring out the, the concern for our, our neighbours in another part of the world among us. He's allowing these things to happen so that they will turn to him and so that they will end up knowing that blessing which we read of in Revelation 21. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. God has a wonderful plan ahead. God has wonderful promises he has given to us. And if it takes him to shout to people in their pain for them to turn to him, well, it's worth it. And we can trust that God is with us no matter what. We are not to fear what others can do to us. We need to think about eternity with God or eternity without him. In Hebrews 13 we read, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can people do to me? The contrast there is, between what God can do to us and what people can do to us. We might even lose our lives if people do their worst to us. But what's the result? We've got to be with God. What God does to us and for us is far better. He gives us an eternity. He gives us promises. He, he has sorted out our eternity so that what we suffer here and now is, it doesn't even compare when we weigh it all, when we count it, we should count it all joy. <clears throat> Paul writes to the Corinthians, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And not small now, but small in terms of eternity. Yet they produce for us a glory that will vast, that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul encourages us not to just look at the news. The things that we see now but to, to see with the eyes of faith the things that will last forever. 
We walk by faith, not by sight. And that's what some of the, the Christians that we've read about in Ukraine are doing. That's what we can do. We don't have to respond like everybody else, just to the news in fear and doubt and insecurity. We have a security in Christ, a peace in Christ that others know nothing of. And yet we invite them to know that as well, to place their faith in Christ. The pastor in uh, Ukraine said, the enemy and those tyrants who serve him would love to sow fear, panic and despair. He's thinking of the devil and Putin in not so many words. But he's also the father of lies. The depraved mind of man would like to believe and have others believe that he can control fates, lives, nations and so on. But there is only one who controls the flow of history. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 103 verse 19. But that's not always easy to remember when bombs are exploding, he writes. The noise of the lie can get so loud that the truth needs to go deeper. So we called an impromptu evening for worship and prayer for Ukraine. It was a sweet time stirring one another up and singing the truth deep into our hearts. We serve a king who stared death in the face and defeated it, exploding it from the inside. There was, a, there was only one true king, and little, little tyrants of the world will ultimately only play into his great victory. His promises are sure, his victory inevitable. If a pastor and a church in Ukraine can respond in such a way, through faith and dependence upon God, surely we can as well. They can do so because Jesus faced death. He gives us victory over sin and death. God gives us victory over sin and death through Christ Jesus. So we thank him. Jesus became sin. He became the sinner on the cross. He took the wrath of God as us, the sinner. He became the sin offering on the cross to atone for sin. Having fully atoned for sin, he said, it is finished. And now we can come into the presence of God confidently knowing that we have been justified by faith. That we have peace with God. Let's trust that Jesus, who faced the ultimate enemy, he faced death, he faced Satan, and he overcame. And we have overcome in him if we've trusted in him. So let's trust in him. Let's Let's depend upon him. And let's look to the Father knowing that we are accepted. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. The spirit who is within us is greater than the spirit in the world. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. So let's face whatever comes our way. 
trusting in Christ, depending on the, the strength of the Holy Spirit, depending on our loving Heavenly Father. Yes, keep one eye on the news as much as we're able to cope with it. We're not distancing ourselves from the world. We're in the world, but not of it. But let's keep another eye on eternity ahead. Let's fix our eyes upon Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you faced a far worse situation than any of us could. You went to the cross where you suffered that unimaginable wrath of the Father for sin. Lord, our suffering pales into insignificance, but yet it is very real. Lord, help us to to trust that you have suffered so that we do not need to suffer for eternity. But our suffering here and now, Lord, is only relatively short in the span of eternity. Help us, Lord, to persevere through it. Help those who are in Ukraine to persevere through faith in Christ. May they turn to you and hear you shouting to them, calling them back to you through faith in Christ. Lord, help us to trust that you're in control. Help us, Lord, to see that you have a plan as King of kings and Lord of lords and that no one is powerful enough to overthrow you. Lord, we thank you. Your ways and your plans will come about. They are are already written in your word. They are as, as good as having happened almost. Lord, we know we are going to be there. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. Help us, Lord, to persevere. Help us to respond with the eyes of faith, the eyes of trust, the eyes of hope, as we look to Jesus. Amen.